0: Welcome back to the Beat the Off and Path podcast where we showcase unusual success stories to help you think outside the box during these highly unusual times. I'm your host Ross Palmer. Joining me today is Natalie Cola, social media expert extraordinaire. She's managed the social media accounts of everyone from big league DJs to record labels and now she does social media for Goalcast, one of the most impressive companies in the digital content space out there. If I'm not mistaken, Goalcast has some 44 million followers across all their channels So suffice to say, Natalie knows what she's doing, maybe just a little bit. But more importantly, she's found meaning and purpose through taking a very unusual path to a very cool career. So here with me today, Natalie Cola. Natalie Cola, how are you doing today?
1: (laughs) Discombobulated.
0: (laughs) You're discombobulated, I'm discombobulated, we're all discombobulated. We've had enormous technical difficulties because my one-year-old computer just died out of the glue. (laughs) So I'm on a new it, computer. I'm on my wife's computer right now.
1: But happens. we're here.
0: Damn yeah. it, we're here. We made it. So I'm very glad you could oh. join me. Can oh. you please
1: yes. I'm explain
0: a, <laughs> a nutshell, what is it that you do, and why do I care about what you do?
1: It's a good question. I don't really know why you care what I do. <laughs> um, my mother asks me this every day. She doesn't really get what I do. Um <laughs> But uh, I guess I would say I'm in social media marketing. So I've been in social media marketing for 10 plus years. Uh, Before that, I was a teacher. So my education is in education. But um, I fell in love with social media at the time, Uh, back in 2007. It was uh, very new and uh, me liking anything technology and internet wise, I just jumped into it and switched my career focus completely.
0: Okay, so let's let's start with the. Uh, you've always liked technology. Let's explain a little bit more about that.
1: Uh, when did you know
0: that was the case?
1: Well, I had to
0: start earlier than that.
1: Yeah, I guess it was when I was a teenager. Oh, no, actually, let's go back further. I guess it was a kid, and uh, I remember in grade three we had the first uh, one of the first apples. You remember that small box? It was like oh, yeah. a tiny screen, and was it black uh, and white? um you know it's funny i don't remember at all i just remember this tiny box it was like
0: we're using like, like kid pics and uh yeah yeah
1: we were just that? we yeah play but brickle?
0: we <laughs> I don't remember that you don't remember the games
1: <laughs> no i don't remember. i didn't play games to be <laughs> okay. honest i was cre- making books so i was writing a book typing it out yeah. printing it and then doing the whole like uh like uh remember the binder, the binding at the time and drawing oh, yeah. the picture. So it was a Mac. It was a long time ago and I vaguely remember it, but this is when I knew. And yeah, I remember that I loved everything about it. And then when I was in high school, I had my first uh, laptop, which is a Mac. And I remember when I had internet for the first time and the excitement around the dial up and like the phone line thing and how exciting that was and then MySpace and like, It was pretty crazy for me and I just always loved it so um, I guess it was brewing for a long time and uh, at the same time though I wanted to follow a more traditional path and I wanted to become a teacher because uh, that was also an interest for me and it made my mother happy and she was paying for school so it made sense and that's what I did and uh, I was a teacher for out of school for a couple of years I worked throughout school substitute teaching teaching um, what
0: subjects what were you teaching?
1: Oh, well, I was teaching really young children. So, uh, okay. like, really young preschool to grade three. And uh, it was great. But right out of university, I jumped into a managerial position. So, I was running a private school in Toronto. And this is where it all fell apart. <laughs> this is where <laughs> okay. I was managing teachers who were older than me and more experienced than me. And uh, I had never been in a leadership role before. And That was a big slap in the face. So it lasted about a year. I I completed the full year, and then I bowed out. And at that time, I fell in love and uh, decided to move to Montreal. And this is where everything changed.
0: Okay, so where are you from originally? Toronto. Toronto, okay. So always within (laughs) Canada. So it's a very different experience to
1: our listeners who are
0: either in Europe or in the United States. Um, Exactly. So 2007, you remember that you fell in love with technology at that point or that was when you, was that the first time you thought there's something here that I can do to have a career? Was that your first, or did that come later?
1: It became much later. I just knew okay. that this was something very special. The, the, the yeah. ability to connect with anyone across the globe uh, mm-hmm. was mind blowing to me. So uh, yeah, the rest came much later.
0: Okay. So I'm trying to remember what was it like in 2007? I mean, Facebook was 2004 so what what was the, the climate in 2007?
1: I <laughs> knew that Facebook don't know. was the next big thing. For sure, for right? sure. Yeah, I don't know. Like I don't even remember. I have the worst memory. I I, I yes. really live in the moment type person, but I just remember that it was Me always too, very exactly. int- like do you remember MySpace? I remember I,
0: I do. I had a MySpace page for quite a while. It yeah. hasn't
1: died. Like you can still search someone and their MySpace page will come up. Right now. yeah
0: i think i have <laughs> i think mine is still there but i don't know how to edit it that's the crazy thing i don't, have I don't access think anyone does <laughs> i don't know what my password is i think theoretically it's there. and here's the weird part so i made some songs that i uploaded at that time um I think you know, a couple of years ago, I, I tried to play one of the songs because I don't have any of these songs. They were, on, they were made on old computers, which I don't have anymore, or hard drives were lost. I, I made a ton of songs on my mom's computer and she wiped the whole hard drive. So all that work was gone. <laughs> so I was like, I wanted to hear a song that I made just to listen to it. I hit play and nothing happened. So it's like a shell of what it actually is. I don't think they actually have the media files or whatever. It's just
1: who knows sort
0: of thing. who
1: who knows but i guess in my mind that was the like real beginning that i remember of connecting with other people facebook myspace you know uh that was very important for me so (laughs) i had a thought about that the other day and i was like oh my gosh it brought me way back to my (laughs) space
0: did you go into any of those you know various chat rooms or any of that did you connect with people with those types of things
1: I didn't. I didn't really do the chat room thing. Uh, it was more okay. connecting with friends, and of course, I was at the mm-hmm. time there was someone I liked, and you know, mm-hmm. creeping people out on on MySpace or Facebook. Yeah. Like it's incredible the kind of information you can get about people.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> I think there was that saying that said like Facebook accomplished more in two years than the CIA was able to accomplish. And, a hundred years people just voluntarily gave all their stuff
1: exactly you know I
0: think we were the first generation I was the first generation of I didn't realize that Facebook came about literally when I was a freshman in college but he literally introduced and it was like this whole thing where .edu emails only so it was like Mm -hmm. this exclusive club we posted our every thought on it and it was Mm -hmm. just this and then one day it's like your mom has joined facebook and i said what the (laughs) hell i was like this was supposed to be it said dot edu only like they just opened (laughs) it up and your privacy settings just defaulted to like share everything with the world and i'm like there's a lot of stuff in here oh yeah i don't want to share with the world so then it was the huge rude awakening for me about like okay maybe facebook isn't the most ethical of platforms for one and two you got to be careful about what you say or post or that was a whole another
1: thing absolutely absolutely Um, yeah
0: but it was also in some ways the golden era of these platforms because everything worked like you could just try tactics and they would just work. Exactly. So when was the first like account that you were building or how did you morph into either being a side hustle or a job?
1: Okay. So, yeah, it was a side hustle. So when I moved to Montreal for love, yep. um, this is a French speaking uh, part of Canada and I didn't speak French. So uh, luckily I got a job uh, teaching English to small children in a, in a private school. And that worked out well, but again, I wasn't happy. And uh, my side hustle at the time was um, working with a uh, web firm that they were building webs for their clients. And all of a sudden at this time, their clients were asking them, what is this social media? Do I need it? Do I need it for my business? And Luckily, it was the right time that I I had made friends with the owner of the web design firm. And he, of course, came to me because this is what I was passionate about. And we were talking about it all the time. And he said, hey, I have this client. And he's wondering uh, if he needs someone to uh, do his Facebook and do his uh, Twitter and things like that. And, And that's how I built a clientele. It was really like teaching myself and kind of faking it till you make it is that the term and uh from there um oddly enough like I had worked on my at the time boyfriend's uh Facebook page and helped to grow his community and he's a musician and at the time he had a record label who was very interested in the growth that he had on his social so when they asked him he said oh it's my girlfriend and uh that led to a meeting in Ibiza, oddly enough. That led to an, a job offer, <laughs> which then led to me moving to Amsterdam for two years to work for a record label uh, of a very well-known DJ. And uh, that's where we met, Ross. And that's, that's where we met. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. DJ so, was
0: Armin Van Buren. Exactly. Armin uh, Van Buren.
1: And I, I <laughs> And I have to say that this is where I really learned a lot because yeah. um, there, was a full, there was a social media team there at the time. And I, I mean, th- those two years were learning on another level, not only learning a social media world, but a different culture. Um, yes. But it was an amazing time. I, I, I treasure it. I really do. And all the people I've met. And so it was beautiful.
0: And you got there. I don't know how much before I did, but it couldn't have been that. Couldn't have been more than a year. Then I guess that you started um, working there, with, or maybe less. I don't know.
1: Maybe I don't remember, but it was really like the launch of of me um, in social media, but in the entertainment world, like in right. Which is uh, oops, sorry, my uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> my my messages are coming in. Um, yeah, and and that is a, a different world, as you know. Like that's the one thing yeah. I, I realize now where I am today and, and the industries that you are, whether like in social media or whatever you're doing, it's a different world. And yes. I've learned so much in each of those industries that I've I've touched.
0: So true. Yeah. And I think that was a good example where we saw, I mean, I wasn't doing the social media side. I was just the writer basically and content manager more on the website, but not the social side, but mm-hmm. That was where I kind of saw firsthand the content factory aspect of running a media company. Mm -hmm. Um, The sheer volume and scale of stuff that had to be put out on many different channels was staggering.
1: It's incredible. I mean, how
0: many posts a day on how many platforms? A lot on a lot of platforms, right? It was a lot. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you have any idea what it actually was? It was several per platform per day. Yeah, no, eight. no.
1: We had a lot of platforms and um, it, it feels like a million years ago to me. But one thing I remember yeah. being proud of is the "State of Trance channel. Like this Facebook page. That had a lot of potential but didn't have a lot of love and I remember the moment when we brought it to a million followers and the champagne and the, and that was I think my first taste of success in social media on a different scale like a million followers is a big deal it's a really it big, a big deal. deal so then you you're we're you're to totally I mean Armin's channels were huge but um, it was something that I spent a lot of time on, and so to see it grow to what it was. and I haven't even looked to see what it is now, but uh, yeah, those are moments I remember awesome. for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. a huge brand, yeah.
0: And certainly from from watching you that, you know, I've always been, I would say, more of a creative person than a very organizational person. I didn't know anything about the tools that were available. You know, I didn't know about the scheduling apps until I went to Armand. I didn't know that you could, like, plan out a month's worth of stuff. Yeah. Because I would see your schedule, and it was just nuts sometimes. You know, it's just like, okay, th- this is what we're going to do two, three weeks out. and Or we're going to go on a break for <laughs> a couple days, <laughs> so better have, like, 80 posts queued up. It yeah. was madness. It is,
1: it is, Um
0: yeah. And then on the other hand, it was also the first taste that I had where – Because they manage such a huge roster of artists, every uh, artist wants the most priority. I remember this. Every artist wants you to spend the most time. They're like, yeah, I know you release a million records a month, but I want my record to have the most tweets, the most posts on Instagram, the most. Mm -hmm. And it was just a very interesting feeling being on the label side and just understanding that a lot of what the artists want was a mathematical impossibility. And there was just sort of that tension there. Because it's like, I just know how many of you there are, how, e- how you're all equally deserving, and what you want just simply can't happen. So it was a yeah. balancing act, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. The label side is completely different than, you know, when you're just working on the artist side, yeah. which then I ended up doing later uh, with two other artists in the techno world. And uh, this is completely different because you really focused on, on one artist, and that's it, and everything a- around that art artists so and sometimes they have labels of their own so um Mm -hmm. it's a it's a very interesting world and uh it's amazing to me how how much covid has affected that um because i still work with one of those artists and er everything's at a standstill. like that now it's funny because my side hustle it with um the music industry is now my side hustle (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it became my my thing, and then it became my side hustle because uh, you you form okay. relationships with artists that, that last a very long time sometimes. So yeah. yeah,
0: and you know so many things about them. Yeah. So you left Armada, and then what was the next step?
1: So I left Armada. Uh, it was like 2015, and I, I I was leaving. It's a very interesting time because. Um, my partner and I at the time were leaving to come back home. We had decided together that it was time to go home. We had an amazing experience and Canada bound we were. And um, little did I know that that would be the moment that would be the end of the relationship. So the day that we left, uh, I had a flight booked to go back to Canada to sort out our apartment. He was going on tour because he's also a musician And we would meet back in Montreal and uh, it fell apart in front of my eyes the morning we had to leave. Um, It was a very difficult time because I didn't see it. I I mean, I knew it, but I didn't see it coming that morning. And uh, I went back to uh, Canada and I was faced with a decision like, do I go back to Toronto, which is my hometown, or do I go back to Montreal, which has become my home? And I decided I'll go back to Montreal and see how things go. And this was a very uh, low time in my life because I didn't feel very confident. I was like the person that I had spent six years of my life with uh, left me, you know, and I didn't know what to do. And this is the first time in a long time I was on my own, making decisions on my own, taking care of things on my own. And um, the good news is, is that I was coming back to Montreal to take on a bigger position in a company that I was still working for while I was in the Netherlands. So I was working for an amazing company here in Montreal called Etiquette. It's a um, niche fragrance and skincare brand, which was a a passion of mine. And I was traveling to Milan to go to the shows and it it, it was my favorite thing. And so I continued to work with them while I was away. And then I came back to take on a bigger position, but I was miserable because I was heartbroken. Um, However, I figured it out. I bought a home. I settled down um, and I, and I worked. And then about, I think it was a year to a year and a half later. or So that ended, that relationship with that company ended. Um, and, you know, they were, it was a downsizing. It was many, there were many reasons why that relationship ended, but I mean, we're still good friends um, myself and, and the owner and, and then I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? Well, I am I still worked within the music industry and I was still doing that and yeah. still traveling to Europe and, and going to shows and things like that. So yeah. I thought, you know what? This is the time for me to go back to freelance work and and live that life because it's great. It, it was great not to... Have, have a nine to five job and not to juggle many different projects. And so I really focused on that. But in that. some ways,
0: you never left, right? I mean, I never you left, never left. really left. You always had I never left. at least one or two other clients on the side the, of whatever you were doing. Everything right?
1: like flipped, like side hustle flipped from, from priority to side hustle. It was always like that for me. And right. uh, at the time, then it's funny, like a couple of months after that, I met. Uh, a client that i still work with today which is a very big dj in the techno world and he became my new client so then i had two of the biggest techno djs as my clients and this was great like it was great no no are you able to
0: say who they are or is it uh, i mean
1: i can if you want but i don't know like yeah, Richie. Hines. I think it's interesting, and but if, you, if you're
0: forbidden from doing it, then I'm not.
1: not. No, I'm not forbidden at okay. all. I, I always just wonder how many people know the biggest techno DJ. But uh, I don't know. Not everyone um, does. <laughs> who? Believe me, you'd be surprised how many people I meet. When no, but but
0: uh, but, but who are who are the DJs? I, I don't Oh, I yeah. Hear you. So
1: you have Dubfire, who uh, Deb. was Dubfire, who was formerly one half of Deep Dish, which i think yes. a lot of people which i grew DJ. up with
0: i love deep <laughs> dish oh man Same. i was all about that back Same. in the day oh Same. yes
1: and he's a lovely lovely person like amazing i love yeah. i love ali he's incredible and then there is richie Houghton, who's a canadian uh dj yes. uh amazing human being and as see well. the other
0: half of deep dish is sharam so i knew yeah. that right i knew all of that and i know that they were taught by bt yeah i remember uh when I first moved to the Netherlands, Dubfire was playing at a stage somewhere and he had that hit that was like I think it was called like Grindhouse or oh, yeah, I don't Grindhouse. know. it was, it was like You <laughs> <laughs> really wanna know? Oh yeah, that
1: was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah. <playing> so
0: <laughs> that it was like
1: Yeah, it was like, great. <laughs> <Yeah."> <laughs> <dun, dun>, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, um, you're really good. For that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I really remember it because I was in a big club. I was like, what is this? Oh, wow. Uh, so, so, when that track so cool. So, on, okay. So, oh, Dubart, Dem- Richie Houghton. Yeah. It Richie was
1: Haunton, Yeah, noticeable. What's amazing about them is they are truly inspiring artists, meaning like they always had, they were always trying to take their art to the next level with live shows. Yeah. With yeah. I I'm oh, was always inspired by these two, always like. Yeah. Um, the work ethic, the incredible, incredible, incredible people. So I was really lucky to be able to do that. And then uh, uh, I guess well, that was 2016, uh, yep. three years later, I guess it was, I started to feel like there was something missing. Like mm. I wanted to be part of the team again, the team mm-hmm the team was missing in my life because I was free. So like you've
0: gone back and forth from liking the freedom of freelancing yeah. to liking being in a team to being ready for freelance again. So it's been tough, like, which I totally understand.
1: Exactly. So what it's I like real,
0: ping-ponging. Totally, right, a totally.
1: What or realize, you just
0: get sick of something after a while.
1: True. But you know, it's funny. Like I never got sick of anything in particular that I've done, um, except for the teaching bit. But mm. <laughs> um, I found I realized that I need a balance of both. This is what it works for me. And, you know, as you know, like with COVID, the the workspace has become completely untraditional, which is amazing for people like me who need something a little bit outside of the box. So, um, so yeah, I, I was really like, okay, something's not right. Let me figure it out. Let me look at other options. I was really thinking about Uh, leaving my clients and and figuring out something else. And then there was this nagging feeling of wanting to give back. (laughs) This nagging feeling of wanting to do something good in the world. Because as much as I loved what I was doing and as much as I loved the music, I didn't feel like I was contributing to the world in, in a positive way. Um, the artists were because this is their art and and artists right. give to the world that way. But me, I didn't feel like it. So something was missing. And, and
0: facilitating that wasn't quite enough. You know, exactly. it's not your message. Being exactly. the facilitator of the good that they might be doing is not enough. Something exactly. I also completely understand.
1: Totally. So I, I started to explore. I started to look at job postings and, and just to see, because one of the things that uh, became important for me uh, also dealing with the music industry is culture. Uh, the music industry can be quite harsh. And oh, yes. it's not like the kind of culture that necessarily drives me. Um, but mm. I'm really good at not being overly sensitive and I don't take things too hard. And you know, working in Amsterdam for two for two years, you develop a bit of a tough scheme because it's very direct culture. Uh, which I'm also grateful for, because it taught me a lot. But uh, yeah, I asked myself, like, what do I want? And if I join a company, what kind of culture does that look like? And I didn't know at the time, but I knew what I didn't want. So I started to look around and I ended up um, finding two companies that were interesting to me. Uh, one was really touching on culinary arts, so it was around restaurants and doing socials for restaurants in the country and um, which is a passion of mine in uh, culinary arts and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I thought, okay, this could be interesting, but I also had found another uh, position that was of interest, and I started to interview with them well before I even found this other company, so I think I think it was in November of 2018, I had my first interview, which was very different than any interview I've ever had. It was more like a therapy session. And, and then I kind of forgot about it. I didn't take it too seriously. I kind of forgot about it. And then in January, I think I had another interview with them was like the second one. And again, it was pleasant, but like a therapy session and I forgot about it. And then I accepted this job with this other company because I, like I said, I forgot about it. And uh, that was very interesting because um, the people who ran that company were not a cultural fit for me. Let's just put it that way. So uh, we ended up going on this incredible trip to Mexico City and eating at the most insane restaurants um, that I never would have had that opportunity to. But the trip went south very quickly and not just with With me but with other team members and this is where I learned exactly what I don't want in a company Mm. Um, leadership has become very very important for me Uh, it's something I'm working on right now for myself but the leaders of that company uh, in my opinion uh, it was a very poor situation and unfortunately Mm. after that trip I had an answer I knew that this was not the company for me and I took a chance and joined, said yes to a job offer on the other company who had just come back to me and offered me a position. And I thought, wow, okay, at the timing oh. is very interesting. But I was still unsure because I had this bad experience. I thought, mm, maybe I should go back to freelance and, and be the master of my own schedule and this and that. But I decided to give that a chance. And that company is called Goldcast. And it's interesting because it's, a, it's different in the sense that um, I didn't know that that company had affected me before I had even joined it. So it was, I think months before I saw a video on Facebook and it was a video that one of my friends had shared and I watched it and it was about, uh, I think it was a uh, said guru who is like a, a speaker. He was talking about um, how to raise teenage teenagers. And it was a very interesting video. And for me, I don't have any children, so I wasn't really usually not interested in that stuff. But I really liked what he had to say. And when I joined the company, I realized that that was their video. And it was something I had seen before and probably had seen many of their videos before, but just didn't make the.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it's something like, I don't know when they first came on my radar i mean it, it was a thing at some point where people would say even a couple of years ago i feel like somebody would say you can make a podcast you can make a goal cast. i've heard people reference like you can make a goal cast. or yeah, but yeah. It's and you know now. who hasn't seen those videos <laughs> a verb, right but who now. hasn't yeah. seen them shared by exactly. somebody at some point so yeah exactly. it's a big big deal so this was the company that the first interview was like a therapy session right
1: yeah, and what okay. I mean what I mean by that is just like uh, they dug deep to understand who I was. Okay, and that's mm-hmm. something I've never experienced in a in an interview before. And for me, this was a test interview for me to see how I would interview again because it had been so long that I've done an interview, um, yeah. but I enjoyed it so much. And I think you know when they say timing is everything, and the timing was perfect for me. Yeah. It was a time where I started to ask myself some really important questions about my life. And I was in a place where I could be vulnerable. And so I didn't care. I just said, I spoke my, my truth, you know, like I, I I gave them who I was. I told them my story and, and that wasn't what they were looking for. That was exactly what they were looking for. And so by culture, I mean um, a culture where, you know, you have a growth mindset, you ask questions, you're vulnerable. Like those are all the things that I was looking for that that's what they're looking for. So it worked out really nice. How many
0: employees did they have at that time? Oh my gosh.
1: At the time. Fairly small. It was small. It was.
0: Wasn't it? Yeah.
1: I want to say we were maybe 12 or 15 people. Not much. We're, we're about double now and we're growing. We're okay. actively like pursuing. We're looking for people that that fit the Killing culture. The and yeah. From, yeah. Like exactly. Um, It's a bit of a slow process, but it's, it's meant to be like that and and it makes sense. And so um And what yeah. was the
0: role? What were you um interviewing for? What was the job title or
1: I was interviewing for social media? It was a social media position. That's it. Like okay. um social the com- media. that's it. And uh the company is not um we're very linear, so there's not a lot of hierarchy, although it's necessary and we've realized that. Um yeah you the potential to grow in areas and to wear different hats is, is amazing there so you can try your skills at many different things but um for me it was social media which made sense and uh yeah and you know it was a very small team at the time it was myself and the person who hired me and then she went on mat leave and and then it was just me and then I needed help, so we brought on someone else. And now we're a team of about four people like just on the social side. And then there's the distribution side. And so we're growing uh, very quickly uh, as a company, and uh, it's amazing.
0: And that's very impressive for the amount of content y'all release.
1: Yes, That exactly. it is still
0: such a relatively small team, because I feel like you're putting out tons of stuff, right?
1: Yeah. I don't know
0: what kind of schedule you have, but it's insane.
1: Well, we have an amazing group of editors and, and content creators and writers uh, uh, curators that, that are able to find the stories and what's, what's interesting is how different this world is compared to the music world that I came from you know yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's really like we're telling stories about people yeah. who have overcome adversity. Um, you know like one of the things we believe in is the power of story. so mm-hmm. we know that a lot there are people that you know maybe at the bottom of the barrel or in a desperate situation or whatever it may be or they just want to make a change in their life and they want to uh they have dreams and they dream big and this and that and those are the stories that show you that anything is possible that you can overcome any situation and if you have that mindset you have that growth mindset you can succeed at whatever you put your mind to so this kind of content has changed me in the way I think. Like, I think I was searching for something like that and I didn't know it at the time. And then Mm. it came to me and it changed my life. Like, Mm. I have a completely different mindset now than I did a few years ago.
0: Wow, that's cool. Yeah. How many people can say that about their job?
1: no of the field. <laughs> exactly, exactly you know I want
0: I want to come back to this in one second but I want to just take a quick hiatus here to talk sure. a little bit about the music industry um okay. because I have a similar feeling about that uh and I've been really trying to wrestle with this because since I was 11 years old before I knew anything about the music industry or the music business mm-hmm. I always loved music and specifically dance music and mm-hmm. Even at a very young age, I've always been a very philosophical person, um, I always appreciated this notion that I could be listening to something that a German producer made, and I'd be hearing the same thing that somebody in South Korea was hearing, and I'd be responding it to to it in the same way. Especially, I was drawn to songs without lyrics of any kind. Because I think we can all respond to lyrics, but if there's a translation thing going on, it's not going to be the same but i loved house music and early trance music because i knew that all of the people on earth would appreciate and understand this thing or not in exactly the same way and i always felt that there was this amazing power of music especially non-vocal music to to bring people together i was fascinated by it and the first times when i went to raves or shows like that i remember it was just a group of misfits all of these misfits got together in a place, and they were so loving. And, you know, I haven't been to Burning Man, but I've been told that Burning Man is pretty much that, but exactly what I loved about it. Mm. Uh, I planned to go, but now it's on permanent hiatus, so who knows? But in any (laughs) case, like, um, this was kind of the culture that I fell in love with. And later I got more involved in the music industry, had some horrible experiences with people that I thought I could trust, which I'll fully go into at some point, but just got absolutely stabbed in the back in the worst possible way building a music company at some point point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of started noticing like this other side of the music business I started getting exposed to the greed and to the arrogance and to, you know I remember going to my first some parties in, in Holland and just seeing these crowds of people wearing aviators just these horrible douchebags and all of this other thing and I was like what happened to that other energy that I fell in love with what happened to the community mm-hmm. and the connection and all of that
1: And then I started,
0: you know, having this duality where I loved the music, hated the culture. Loved what I er always loved, but really hated the way a lot of people behaved, hated the way deals were done, um, hated the way, you know, uh, my wife or girlfriend at the time was a singer-songwriter, hated the way she was treated by male horrible bosses at labels. It's just so much rotten stuff. So it's just for me, like... There's always been that thing where it's like this is a deep, deep, deep love of mine. But at the same time, like, does anybody miss working with these people? And, like, I, I talked to one of my other guests. I don't think he said this in our podcast. But, like, one of my guests said that he hates working with record labels most of all because they never pay on time. They never pay the full amount. They'll pay, like, 90 days later, six months later, and they'll always bitch about it. So there's just so much stuff that sucks about the music business. So I get, like... You know, mm-hmm. leaving that as as I think we both kind of did in a, in a, in some way was a breath of fresh air to be like, oh, these people pay on time. Oh, they're like there's so many mm-hmm. nice things that happen when you leave yeah, the music yeah. business. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of like get that out there a little bit on the the record as it were. So it's it's fascinating that you found something sort of similar coincidentally. You know, and you probably love the people that you know as artists, but I do. A yeah. lot of things I'm sure you don't miss at all.
1: <laughs> well, I'm like, right? I, said, I'm, I'm, I haven't left completely, but, yeah.
0: um,
1: I appreciate the art. Let's just put it that way. Like yes. I really do. Yeah. And, um, I also, uh, I feel for the entire industry right now because yeah. it's basically Sucks. at a standstill. So you have managers and you have, you know, the crew and, uh, all the people that are affected by that. And that, that's what, yep those are the people I really feel for. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you know, I think it really hurts the middle small people who are just (laughs) making some momentum. Some people are like just getting started and they just had their first year of touring and then it happens. And I know a lot of people like that, unfortunately, but let's, all right. So let's back to the, to the fun stuff. How have you changed? Do you think as a result of this role, (laughs) like what, what has changed?
1: Uh, well, I I guess, sorry about all the, I have messages that I cannot seem to get rid of. I don't
0: actually hear it. (laughs) Okay, okay. good.
1: Um, I just
0: notice it on your face. (laughs) I'm always like, I see Um, the (laughs) thing.
1: I guess it just changed me for a better, like, I'm just a better person. I, I see things differently. I see the world differently. I see myself differently. I, I have more confidence. Um, I believe in myself and that's a big one. Like, I think, you know, A lot of us probably may not have the confidence or we have a lot of, you know, negative self-talk and things like that. And I I know for sure I did. And am I good enough? Am I worthy? All those things. And and this has changed for me. Um, I surround myself with good people, but I also work with good people. And I am surrounded by content that constantly tells me I am enough. I am good enough. I'm worthy. Um, I can do anything I want to. and and the company also encourages that. like what is your passion? like what is your your big dream? you know and and that caused me to then ask myself a lot of questions. So the first year was really challenging for me because being exposed to that kind of content for the first time was a bit perplexing. and I, I remember I, there was a moment or a couple of times where I, I could barely look at myself in the mirror because I was asking myself such really difficult questions like, what have you done? How are you giving back? Uh, what is your purpose? Those those big questions we all have that I think come at some point in your life. And uh, I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like things that I saw in myself. And I'm probably being really harsh on myself, but there were things that needed to change. And uh, so that's why I say the first year was challenging. But um, you know, I worked towards making those changes. I, I realized that what was missing was giving back, like finding a way to give back because that's what feels good for me. And so I, I decided to uh, do a 10-year challenge, which is just very specific to me. It's something I wanted to do where I would uh, take my vacations, but go and volunteer somewhere in the world and give back somehow. And uh, COVID happened and kind of, hijack the second year but the first year was amazing because as soon as I decided that uh, for my birthday I decided to ask friends and families to donate to a cause that was very close to my heart so the whole um, the name of the project is called the next 10 and it really is about the next 10 years of my life and how I'm going to be of service every year for the next 10 years and document that so that hopefully yeah. one day I can take all of that content and create a little mini doc of the, the next 10 years from, from my you know this point where I decided to, to do this. And uh, the first year I uh, decided to volunteer in, in Southern Africa uh, with uh, a wildlife reserve. And so working very closely with elephants who obviously are endangered in that area due to poaching and rhinoceros as well, uh, which is a very ridiculous situation um that I won't get into because we could be here talking for another hour but it was important for me and it was important for me not just to give money but to actually go there and do something and live it and that that was an eye-opening experience for me to go there uh, to a country that um is food insecure that uh you know you cannot go to an ATM and take out money if you want like there's so many things um that I were very eye-opening to me and and just Made me so grateful for what I have, and just the experience of being so close to those animals like was something I'll never forget. Um, and it mm-hmm. felt good to give back. And so when I came back, the high that you feel from doing something like that wow, it's incredible, and you just want to keep doing it and doing it. Yeah. So, so you what's, know. what's
0: next on the horizon? though what <laughs> so, was so
1: yeah? The, well, the, uh, Covid
0: post Covid, what was your yeah, I, next plan? on that journey.
1: So the first one was me choosing something very close to my heart, but the next one was going to be about um, my family and friends, like voting for something that's close to their heart, because the idea is that not everyone can go and take off, from work and go and do this. Maybe they have a family or they they have responsibilities and, you know, a family vacation, maybe you have only a couple of weeks a year and you want to spend it with your family and do something with them. So the idea is for me to do it for you. So it was going to be whatever was close to the heart of the people that I care about. Um, But obviously that didn't happen. So this year instead I decided to volunteer my time with an organization called Giving Tuesday which is, uh, if you've heard of giving Tuesday, it's a, it happens on December 1st. It's where
0: phenomenon.
1: Exactly. And so the giving Tuesday, Canada, four, five, I don't even know. (laughs) It's going to
0: become a whole week soon enough.
1: It's true. It's true. But I volunteered, uh, to give my, my skills, my social media skills to, uh, giving Tuesday Canada. And that was a marathon event of, uh, sharing posting scheduling uh community management the whole thing and 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 it was great and i met a lot of nice people and it was the perfect thing to do when i couldn't leave and travel it made perfect sense because everything was virtual Um, and so yeah so next year we'll see i mean the sky's the limit hopefully when this is over and i we can travel again but um i'm i'm open to anything really and there's another awesome. eight years to go, so there's lots
0: of time. That's awesome. That's super great. So it sounds like I mean, this this is very positive. I, that's That's a wonderful thing to hear. Um, I'm very excited for what you do next. Uh, it sounds very cool. so I, I I guess now that you've been doing this for so many years, what are some tactics or advice or tips? I mean, what like, what have you learned about social media? since you began i because it changes week by week year by year so what are some thoughts that you have these days
1: okay so for me what it what became really really important was working for a company or brand or artist whatever it may be where you have freedom to experiment and try things and fail try and fail try and fail try and fail um that's how you learn the more you fail the more you learn, right? And so I may not have had that opportunity in the past as much as I do right now. And the learning curve for me, I feel like happened in the last few years, especially with Goldcast being a media company where um, we are dealing with video content. Video content is a whole other world and distributing video content. And I've learned a lot, but the things that I've learned, I think can be applied to any industry, which is Um, having the courage to try new things, right? Um, Thinking outside the box, um, going above and beyond, being an A player, basically. This is what I would, the advice I would give to anyone, whether they're in social media or whatever job they're doing that they're passionate about. um, Find a place where you can experiment, find a place where you can continually fail and continually learn from that and apply that learning to the next thing so that you can next level that.
0: Definitely. And what have you noticed in terms of trends about what works? I mean, what works, what doesn't work?
1: Mm, Trends or formula? I don't think there is a a formula. I think it really depends on the industry or the, like the industry that you're in. Um, as you said, social media is changing all the time. And I guess the best advice I could give anyone in, in that industry is to constantly stay on top of things, keep learning. Um, you know, right now, uh, I'm learning TikTok. I'm really deep diving into that. That's a new platform. I dove into it
0: for a good bit of time.
1: Yeah. It's a new frontier.
0: That's for sure.
1: Totally. And I love it. We have Clubhouse. Clubhouse is another one. Exactly. But I love it. I love TikTok so much. And I find myself addicted to it and just consuming, consuming. At the same time I'm consuming, I'm learning. I'm learning what's working. What works for this person. What works for that person. Yeah. The best advice I can give you about any platform is use it. Try it. Do it experiment. That's it. Yeah. I I dabbled in
0: TikTok for a good bit, but I haven't yet found my stride there because uh, I did some vastly different types of content there and I'm kind of switching to be less satirical and more serious, but I haven't really found my, I kind of stopped. I posted a lot on TikTok, but then I, I kind of stopped and I want to get back into it, but it's great. I don't know what to do there yet. I'm not sure yet. I have to figure that part out.
1: Well, video video Um, content is king. Edutainment, whatever you can make that is edutaining, I guess. Edutaining um, Edutaining. is is going to work quite well. And uh, stories, the power of storytelling, it's amazing.
0: Is is Goalcast on TikTok? I mean, it makes sense. I didn't know that yet.
1: Yeah. Yep. We have two channels. Okay. When did you start that? Uh, it was. Actually, it was probably about a year ago, maybe six months okay. ago. I don't remember. But when we became active on it's it it quite recent. And we have two channels. We have Goalcast, which is you know, our main, we'll call it our main channel, that mm-hmm. covers any kind of content from inspirational speeches to short documentaries, which is what we're moving into now. So stories yeah. about uh, people you might know um, overcoming incredible uh, obstacles. Um, and then we have another channel that's more... Uh, celebrity focus called life stories, and this mm. channel. If you think about it, think about TMZ, but in a positive way. So, like we talk about the celebrity stories no with scandals. an yeah with an uplift. Well, there's always scandals, right? But mm. um, you know, it's celebrities who have either overcome something, or they're coming from a situation that is you know you you didn't know or is less desirable, and they've made it, or they have uh, come out a better person because of it. You know, and they're sharing their learning. So it's stories always like that.
0: Okay. So here's, here's then a follow up for that. Oh, first of all, how many followers on the main account on TikTok?
1: Oh, gosh. Can we not use TikTok? Cause that's a new account.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I know. Th- okay. Well, let's preface okay, this whole how thing. There's, I tell millions, you- there's millions and millions and millions. I'm just curious. Where is it at?
1: How about across all of our platforms? We have close yeah. to 40, 40 million followers.
0: Okay. That's, which yeah. is.
1: You know, Which is I have a few more
0: myself, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you guys have room to grow.
1: Yeah, I would say, though. My
0: mom has 45 million accounts. <laughs> no, <I'm
1: just> <laughs> i would say go to, uh, go to YouTube if you want to watch full stories because TikTok yes. is not going to be a full video. So but, this, yeah.
0: this was exactly what I wanted to ask.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when I was Kind of going hard on TikTok. I would write these very fast-paced one-minute scripts, which I just tried to pack with jokes just about a topic yeah. because it's always been difficult for me to put a lot of a message into a minute. Unless you know, I mean, obviously, the people who do like funny things, where it's like, oh, I'm uh, Zach King, or like you're jumping into a jumping into a pot of coffee, or like some visual gag. Right. It's hard to get a lot of verbal or other uh, that's not visual content into. Right. 59 seconds. So how do you put these complicated story? What's the 59 second edit? What's the thought okay. process?
1: So, yeah. So basically the content teams create the story, right? Um, usually it can be anywhere from seven minutes to 11, 12, 13. It depends on the story. Like we really believe in telling the story as it needs to be told. So in terms of time frame, it's a little bit all over the map. For TikTok, yep. which is a challenge for us because, obviously, you're limited to 60 seconds. Uh, apparently, three minutes is rolling out, but we haven't seen that yet. Um, mm-hmm. But but some of the things that I'm trying to, what I'm doing right now is really sharing our teasers. So, we do create teasers for all of okay. our videos. And that so, is it's unfriendly. not
0: self-contained. Which is another argument that I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> okay, yeah. so it's just, it's it's referential, because I've always been of the school of thought that nothing should be referential in the modern social media. Like, everything should be self-contained, right? Because if I tell you, hey, l- yeah. look at this, but this is just reminding you to go check out my podcast or this right, is right. reminding you to go check out my YouTube video, I've always felt right. like that is sort of the old way. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But a lot of successful people do that. Like, that's yeah. what Mr. Beast does All he does is like, Hey, check out my new video. Right. Or he doesn't even try and people do. So it works for like some people, but I've never found a way of for TikTok yet that works for me. Cause when I do like a long form piece of content, either you chop out a minute and then you miss all of the nuance. And then it's just really hard for that minute to be exciting and engaging. Yeah. And then the people on TikTok are like, okay, why, what is the boring? Like skip, skip, skip. Right right or you have to make something specifically for the one minute format which is time consuming and then you know i don't have a whole lot of time to dedicate to specifically making like tiktok videos um but yeah so you do mostly teasers then
1: well we're experimenting with a few different things so teasers our teasers are really good so it works well Um, i have to check it out Okay. Yeah, yeah, check it out. And sometimes I'll take a portion of the video, and which is like what we call the uplift or like the the takeaway from it all, and that works quite well too. So it just depends. It really depends on uh, what we're fe- what I'm feeling, I guess, at the time. It's it's a bit of like taking our content and reformulating it in a way. The teaser is the easiest way to do it, especially when we have new mm-hmm. content, um, because if mm-hmm. people want to watch it, they will. I've also tested. Um, posting the teaser and then posting the video in parts. So like part one, part two, part three, part four. And always like the call to action is to swipe to watch part two, part three. And that works sometimes too. But um, I think the teasers are working the best right now. And, you know, we're pushing, we're we're telling people that they can watch the full video uh, on another platform if they want. So, yeah.
0: How many do you try to make per day? on
1: TikTok. tiktoks uh well not that many right now like we release okay. a few times a week a new video and okay. then okay. we'll share an older video yeah yeah so it's um because right you notice
0: like you know if you listen to gary v he's like you mm-hmm. need to be posted eight times a day on TikTok. i'm know. like how on earth I am i gonna do that
1: it's very challenging you, you need like a big team to do day. that yeah yeah, yeah. Also, I think it's important to figure out if your content works with a certain audience. Like a TikTok audience is completely different. And right now we're in an experimental stage where we're, we're testing things out. We're just trying to see like what's going to stick. Uh, what does this audience like? You know, and we, we definitely have content that that audience likes, but it takes a while to figure out, you know, your formula. So Can, can you
0: summarize? How do you feel in your mind? And this is going to be very anecdotal. How do you feel in your mind about the various audiences on the various platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, say a piece about each audience. What do you associate with each one?
1: Oh, gosh, I don't know. And I think that would get me into trouble. Um <laughs> But you have
0: feelings. They're different, right? You don't look at TikTok audience the same way you do as Instagram or LinkedIn. So, like, okay, without being negative or weird or whatever, but, like, what...
1: No, no, it's very different for sure. What do you think?
0: Yeah, like, what what is a thought that goes through your head for TikTok people will like this, but LinkedIn people will not like that?
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, We're figuring all of this out right now, but I guess I would say, like, our tried, tested, and true audiences on Facebook, this tends to be an older demographic, um... TikTok is, we know it's younger, but it definitely has potential to be older as well. But we're going to stick on the younger side for now. So I'm selecting more of our celebrity content that I know younger people will like, like Billie Eilish, uh, JLo, Lady Gaga, things like that. Um, and and that's great. Uh, LinkedIn is a bit more serious, you know, like we tend to share more uh you know short documentary style uh articles that we have on our website uh, motivational inspirational speeches things like that um snapchat is continues to be a mystery to me i mean (laughs) it's not my favorite platform i'm I'm, I'm not a fan at all but i'm i'm not giving up on it and then you know (laughs) pinterest you have a whole other like it's yeah it's different. And like, I think that's one of the challenges of any brand is like figuring out where your content fits. And it in a way it takes trying to throw it everywhere and see where does the spaghetti stick on the wall? You know, what, what is it that works? I think Twitter is a, another really interesting example where like, you know, it's more informational. So people go there for information and certain videos work better than others. And like, you know, I constantly ask myself, should we be posting more articles there? Like what, what is it that's going to work there? And we have a healthy audience, um, as well. Uh, so I don't have a preference for one versus the other. I have to say, Mm -hmm. I really don't. And, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, you know, here's another question. So in the early days, I remember this even back in the Armada days, um, In the early days when people were building an audience, everybody had a feeling like this audience is something that I own. You know, you reach your first million followers or something like that, and you had a feeling like I can now connect with my audience. But we witnessed, even in 2014, like the systematic going down of engagement and reach, organic reach dropped so significantly. Mm -hmm. It's like I got a million followers, but this post is only going to get like – yeah, you, you reach like 100 people. Something, it's a, it can be absurd. And it's yeah. the statistics will bear out that it's just been going down and down and down, especially on the Facebook-owned platforms. Instagram, the reach goes down and down and For down sure. and down. Organic becomes harder and harder and harder. Um, what do you think about organic versus paid? Mm,
1: I'm big on organic. I really believe in organic.
0: You still um, – all right, so you you're still – yeah, you still I, believe that even if you reach, you know, a tenth of a percent, <laughs> it's still worth it. It's better than nothing.
1: I do because um, I don't believe that there's much value in trying to pay for views because this is like our goal, right? Is to get views. Um, yep. If content is really good, has viral potential, it will go viral without putting any kind of paid advertisement behind it. That's what we bank on. We bet on that video to go viral and we've seen it. We've seen it time and time again. you know, Facebook is, yes, the algorithm has changed many times over the years. And, you know, we're being slowly boiled into the situation where um, we don't, we're not able to reach as much people as we used to be. I mean, we have a huge audience on Facebook, but yeah. what we continually see is that when the content is good, it goes viral. And people share it. And Facebook now has has really switched to become more of a YouTube type of platform. They're really prioritizing mm-hmm. video content. They're provide yeah. yeah. They're providing us with tools to be able to test their videos, A/B testing tools, which is quite new. It's it's I don't even think it's six months old that we're we're using all the time. Um, yep. But again, it's always about the content. If the content is good, it will perform, and we don't have wow. to pay for it you know and that you shouldn't have to if your content's good that's what i believe
0: love it that's a great sentiment all right well we're we're coming down to the to the close here really cool stuff so far i hope that somebody out there is paying attention cuz there's a lot of gold if you're looking <laughs> for it in this episode i think um all right freelance versus company quick thoughts ooh okay. freelance versus employee
1: I wore, <laughs> this is so hard because if I didn't work for Goldcast, I would say freelance. But because I work for Goldcast, I would say company. Culture is the most important thing. If you have a cultural fit, company is going to be amazing. Always have your side hustle. Side hustle is going to give you that balance because you, you, you control that you do. But the cultural fit in a company that allows you freedom, this is the key. You, know, this, you decide your schedule. You decide what, what you're going to do. You decide. And when you have that freedom, you overperform always. Also, nice. a company that allows you to buy shares in the company is also very nice. Ooh, very
0: good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're they're because,
1: because the mentality is that you own the company too. You feel like you own it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yep. Um, that's, that's really good. Okay, um, finding balance. What's the secret? Is,
1: I struggle. I struggle very, very much. I struggle. The big lesson I learned last year is working smarter, not harder. So... I have been known in the company as the person with a lot on their plate, which is true. It's so true. And I was burning, running myself into the ground, burning out until I finally decided to tap into the idea of delegating. And, you know, like when you think you can't, you can. And I just started to hire freelancers to work on the team and build a team and build the support that I needed. And this is where it gave me time back. Multiply your time by delegating, figuring out what you can delegate, what you can't, um, prioritizing. This is the biggest thing I learned last year.
0: Awesome. Okay, Um, then oldie but goodie here. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? Best piece
1: of advice I ever received... That's a really good question. I guess this is going to sound really cliche, but find what you love and make money doing that. (laughs) I guess that would be it. Like figure it out, figure it out fast. Like I'll throw a wrench into this. So as much as I love my job, I have this passion about dogs and training and dog grooming, which is so weird. And it just kind of hit me recently. And I have this like dream of opening up a, a dog grooming salon in my neighborhood because i think it's needed number 1 there's an opportunity always look for opportunities and number 2 i'm such a lover of animals and and dogs and oh, this would be a passion for me and it would be a side hustle and yeah so i'd say find the what you love side to do hustle. money yeah yeah exactly i love to be busy so stay busy doing That's, what you love a-
0: that's a great way to end. Um so to wrap this thing up, I will give the floor to you. Anything in particular that you want to promote or draw people's attention to at the moment?
1: I don't necessarily want to promote anything, but I will say I mean obviously
0: follow Goldcast <laughs> but, everywhere that on check everything.
1: Out, check out Goldcast, you probably already know and you've seen you these videos. Yeah, yeah. If you watch They get it forwarded to Gate. me all the time. Exactly. I watch a Goldcast video every day and it, it makes me feel like motivated and confident for yeah. the day. So if you feel like you're lacking in that department, check out the videos. They're short videos and you will definitely feel better after you watch it.
0: Sounds good. Cool. we Will do. <laughs> well, thank you very much um, for sitting down and chatting. I think it's been really awesome. I hope you had fun.
1: I did. Thanks. It was great to see you again and chat with you. Yes.
0: So with that, the podcast is officially over. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Beat the Off and Path podcast. If you've been enjoying this show, please like, comment, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to me on YouTube. It would mean the world to me. Also, do you have an unusual success story or do you know someone who does? Well, please recommend them to me. They could be a future guest on this show. Maybe they've rolled the largest boulder down the mountains of Tibet. Or maybe they built the world's largest chicken farm in Madagascar. The point is, I don't know what I don't know. So I'm looking for inspiration and unusual success stories. So help me by being a part of this adventure. I'm looking to grow this
1: podcast with you. Thanks again for listening.